This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WIXR, and I am your host, Anna Thompson, and I have the distinct pleasure to talk to the president of the Junior League of Memphis this morning. Tracy Strickland is the Senior Vice President, Marketing and Customer Experience at Paragon Bank, but she is also the president of the Junior League of Memphis, where her experience includes being the chair of the Women's Leadership Conference, which is coming up. She's also been a long-range planning director, assistant to the executive vice president, and the provisional or new member chair in the past. And she holds her BA in business with an emphasis in accounting from Rhodes College. So we are super excited to talk to Tracy all about um, the Junior League of Memphis, the impact that it has had on our city. Uh, It's been around for 100 years. They celebrated their centennial in 2022. And so we're excited to see how the Junior League of Memphis has taken their connection and community of women to transform our city through their philanthropy, their funding, and their volunteer and service projects. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Tracy Strickland of Junior League of Memphis. Good morning, Tracy. How are you doing today? And I'm so happy to be here on this wonderful morning. We are so excited to have you, and we're so excited to talk about the Junior League of Memphis and the historical impact in our city and then all that y'all are doing today. Um, so we're kind of going to dive right in. Perfect. And I know that the Junior League of Memphis is part of a national organization, but it's always so fun to me to see the unique ways of how chapters or is that what y'all are a chapter? Is that what it's called? What is it? Um, a separate league? No, we're, we're separate leagues. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how they can be so different, but also alike in core values. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, um, your take on that about, you know, like what it's like to be part of Junior League of Memphis, but also what it means to also have yeah. a national or and worldwide, you know. Right. We're international now. It's the yeah. Association of Junior Leagues International. And we celebrated a hundred our hundredth birthday yesterday last year. Yes, um, in twenty twenty two. Yes, our, centen- our centennial. We had all kinds of celebrations, and so hopefully we don't look a hundred and one. But <laughs> no, um, never looked better. But we look good. I think you know the one thing I was thinking about is you know what differentiates us, and with all the leagues, and I, I'm also very um, lucky to have met several other women who serve as their president across the country. And um, the number one differentiator is that we're all member run. So it's not like we, we do have a staff and an amazing staff at our league that runs a little bit of, you know, the operations, the, you know, the first call in, you're going to hear Pat Pope, who's worked for us for over 34 years. And we have an amazing director of development. We have a thrift store called the um, Repeat Boutique on Summer that has just been breaking records with sales, which is really exciting. But we have a new president and a new board of directors every two years. Our leadership changes every year. So I think that bring some nuances um, and allows each city that has a league to to tweak it depending on on their particular needs. But each league as a whole, we have our own distinct set of opportunities and challenges, right? So it's the structure of the organization. Um, some have a board and senior management council. Some just have a, have a board. Um, the principles, strategic decisions all contribute to accomplishing unique goals. So they don't come from 
from, you know, the international headquarters that's based in New York um, and say, hey, you've got to focus on this particular issue, um, have this particular structure. And as crazy as that seems, it really does work because the issues that we're facing in Memphis on a day-to-day basis are different than what people in Tulsa, Oklahoma are facing or Tampa, Florida or Washington, D.C. And so to be able to what we call issue-based community impact is to really think about what's going on in our city um, and what are the programs and the volunteerism that we can bring um, to affect change in those areas. I really, I think that's really exciting too, just from yeah. um, a local perspective to know that yeah. it is, it's not like from a top down kind of, kind of a thing, like not a Completely. mandate from some, you know, corner office somewhere else, but it's very much yeah. like the people that are in our city and mm-hmm. working in our city on a day-to-day basis. Making seeing, these kind of yeah. decisions, right. And and we're even more lucky because, um, in fact, I got a text. It was around the holidays in December um, from a longtime friend of mine. Her name is Melanie Shield. And um, I had just known her from other organizations that she had led, but she was just named the CEO for AJLI. Wow. And she lives here in Memphis. She was the former CEO of Girl Scouts. She was the former executive director of Capital Delta Sorority, has just um, a an amazing resume of leading women's organizations and the needs that are unique to women. Yeah. And um, what's even more exciting is she's staying right here in Memphis. She's working remotely. She really has an entirely new take on how their staff is to support our in our local leagues and uh, came to our membership meeting just a few weeks ago um, to meet our members and to get to know them. We're going to have her, you know, in to get to know them and really find her. And she wants to really listen and figure out what are the problems and what are the issues and how that organization can support us. So that's pretty exciting just to have her as an amazing resource just here in Memphis. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, especially to know that someone here in Memphis is making such a contribution nationally too on that larger scale, like how it goes back and forth that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So you mentioned some of the issue-based kind of impact model that goes into Junior League of Memphis. So that was one of the questions that I was curious about that we were here at New Memphis is what differentiates Junior League of Memphis from other service organizations? Um, And so in some of my research, I had seen that the issue-based impact model was something um, that was, I think, a little bit unique. And I was curious to know, like, what goes into that? How how are those pillars or causes or projects kind of decided upon and moved forward? It's it's very true. And I think we we look at them in a systematic process. So what might have been really great for Memphis 25 years ago – is, or even 10, 15 years ago, even five years ago, we found after COVID, so many things have changed. And so I think one thing that historically our Junior League of Memphis has done really, really well is we don't just stand up a program um, and say, hey, this is going to help the community. I mean, forever have, and ever in perpetuity. Well, yeah, perpetuity <laughs> and, and without having conversations with the people in the communities that we're serving. Well, I mean, that's how haughty would that be? It's just to say, hey, we know exactly what you need. And um, to be able to build relationships with people in the community. And I mean, we've just been doing that since the beginning. I mean, perfect example is, and this is a longer run um, 
community program of ours. But about 13 years ago, we had some of our leaders just literally walk into the Leicester Community Center that's on Tillman and Binghampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to meet Director Walter Casey after... I will get this wrong, at least 50 (laughs) years of service um, for the city of Memphis. He has worked at the Leicester Community Center and he works there 365. Like he doesn't take a day off. He is there at some point every single day in that Binghamton neighborhood and he knows the people better that come anybody. to Lester better than anyone, right? And so um, our members just walked in and he tells the story that, in fact, we featured him on our Centennial video. And he said, I'm just a drum major for the JLM because these ladies who obviously looked like they were lost and didn't know where they were, <laughs> stood under the basketball goal as kids were, you know, shooting hoops. Um, and he said, ladies, are you lost? And they're like, no, no, no. We would just like to talk with you and learn more about Binghampton and really what what's going on in this area and, and how we can help. Let's, let me tell you, let us tell you about the Junior League of Memphis. And so, I mean, to be able to, number one, listen, that's the yeah. most important thing. And, and to ask questions and to find out where are the pain points? What are the true needs going on in the community? And, and how can, in knowing that we have a fantastic group of mobilized volunteers in our membership but they're very busy as well. You know, over 95% of them work another full-time job, have families of their own. And so we know what our strengths are. And so how can we match our strengths with those needs to create programs? And so starting, you know, 13 years ago during the school year, every, you know, at least two Thursday nights a month, our team is in there serving meals to 250 to 300 people that come to Lester and, and it's all focused on the family. And so we have programming that it's unique to um, younger children, older children, and families, and and it's just been our most successful program over the past decade. And we see that, and um, we look for ways that we can partner. So we do have a another program that's actually one of the few of our international programs at AJLI that we d- we adopted called Kids in the Kitchen. And it's a focus on healthy eating habits and um, little cooking tips to teach kids so that they can focus on those healthy eating. I almost wish I could en- have rolled my two boys in yeah. that since, you know, they just go straight for the chips and the, <laughs> the chicken nuggets. But, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they just really have these great recipes and the kids love it. And so we were looking for another school or a community center to partner with. And we have done work in the past with the Hampton Christian Academy on Tillman. And so I reached out to them. They have a residential program. It's like the, it's a unique program in the city of Memphis where about a quarter of their student body live on campus Monday through Thursday nights. They have a separate boy boys dorm and a separate girls dorm. And I volunteered there personally for about a decade and it it's one of my favorite places on earth. And um, I reached out to their principal and their director of development and said, hey, let's have a conversation. We've got this program. And I was wondering, you know, if there might be a match. And they almost stopped me half sentence and said, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we've been looking for. We've been looking for not only programming for our, you know, kids in the dorm after dinner, um, but we've been looking for healthy eating tips uh-huh. and that sort of thing. So we just married those two ideas together and that's a new, really sweet partnership that we just started this year. Um, so I think it's just, um, 
we call it, we're in the classroom and the playground. So, you know, we're not only doing the training, but also um, creating those forums in which our members can apply those learned skills um, and tactics throughout the city. What's exciting to me too about those learned skills and kind of tactics like you were talking about mm-hmm. is not only are you getting to, are like the, the women in the community um, of JLM able to exercise strengths that maybe they don't get to use um, in their day job 24 seven, but mm-hmm. also having that community together and then getting to learn about cool things in the city. I mean, I didn't know that that existed. Yeah. And so I can't imagine how impactful it would be to just get to be hands on in that way. You just get a bit, a deeper view. I think that it really does allow you, I think, to see things like you said that some, some people don't get to see just on the outside looking in. I mean, that was kind of my story when I was getting started and I was, I started late into junior league. So, I mean, I was in my early forties when I joined the organization and kind of broke the age scale. We were looking at average <laughs> ages of our new members <laughs> no. and, they, and it's increased by, I think it was like average age was 27, 10 years ago. And now it's almost 40. It's like 38, um, for That's our so new members, you know, and to be able to, um, be able to allow our members to have a taste. I really think of it as a buffet of different choices. They can do um, or or take part in a different program every year. Some, when they start with like, we call it the GROW program at at Lester Community Center. Once you get in and on that committee, I mean, they just fall in love with it and they just want to continue doing it. And they, until they move maybe into leadership and then they, um, you know, do other things in the community. But it just allows people to absolutely try things. Like I ran our women's summit and converted it to being a virtual summit in 2020. Yes. Um, I sure had never done that before. (laughs) Right. And um, we'll talk about the summit in in a few minutes. I know, but um, it just allows you, I mean, I've run marketing for banks locally, which has just been an amazing opportunity, but you know, I've not had an uh, opportunity to have a staff or a, a team that I'm leading of over a hundred. And I've had that numerous times. Um, um, in my experience. And do you, do you make mistakes? Heck yeah. Um, but as I, be, you know, became a new member, we have, um, advisors over our new members and I loved mine and she works at St. Jude and she always pulled me aside and said, listen, this is a safe place to fail. And this is a safe place to try things that you haven't done in your normal course of life or work, um, to be able to experiment and, and to grow, um, and to stretch out your comfort zone. That is really appealing. I can definitely (laughs) see, I mean, other than the other obvious reasons of like the community of women and the philanthropy for our city, um, that right there, I feel like is part and parcel about why like the membership has grown so much. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit, you mentioned your centennial in 2022. So I did read on your website that... Junior League of Memphis started with like 17 women. Yeah. Not and crazy. now it's grown over to a thousand. Those like were it's some more than a thousand. Brave souls, you know, when yeah. you think about that. I mean, I, I think it was just in in the the makeup of the women. I mean, they were women that wanted to um, help. Uh, blind children. I mean, that was one of our first initiatives. And of course we had 17, that was in 2022. I mean, no, sorry, 1922. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, we're at 1300 strong now. So it's taken a little while to get up to, to those numbers, but I think it's an, it's an attractive place for women to be able to not only 
figure out where they really want to serve the community, where, where their heart is and um, where they feel like they can make the biggest difference. But it's, it's the relationships that you make um, and you truly build. And I mean, I, I would say Junior League has been committed to thoughtful, impactful service in Memphis from the start. Um, we selected our neighborhoods. We selected the programs and projects. And it's all based on like an authentic understanding of the needs of our community, like we were talking about. And so, I mean, just last year, in the centennial year, knowing that we've had a centennial fund that our foremothers, I guess, had <laughs> been saving for us. And we knew we wanted to do something unique and special and impactful with that with that money. And um, I guess since those um, ladies went into the Lester Community Center and said, hey, what's going on in Binghampton? You know, it had been a while. And of course, after COVID, you know, after the world changed for all of us, we knew that it was changing for our communities too. So we started those conversations again last summer and um, for our kickoff general membership meeting in August we brought in actually it was the principal for Binghamton Christian Academy the leader of the Height CDC and then a pastor from um, the Berkeley area yeah. um, to really start asking those questions again and to find out what are those needs and, and not only the pain points but again like what are the opportunities that they see and so what our team is now doing is um, going to be working with part in those neighborhoods to figure out, okay, where are we not only going to spend our funds, mm -hmm. but where are we going to put our woman power right there to define programs that are going to make a difference today and in decades to come. Um, and I think another thing that really speaks so well, and, I, and what I love is when I bring outside speakers to our member meetings and they look around at our membership. Um, our membership looks different than it did 10 years ago. Um, and it and it looks like Memphis. Um, it's very reflective of our Memphis community. I was talking about how I broke the age barrier. So we have new members that range in age of 23 up until I think we've got definitely some new members in their 60s that have decided wow. to come on board. Um, our members span obviously all races, professional sectors. Um, women just have an opportunity to connect with this community of women that um, really believe in the mission um, and where they know that their impact, their impact can be tangible and felt throughout the city. That is really exciting. Um, I have so many thoughts about all of that. Um, I was curious, and you kind of answered it a little bit, about how in those hundred years, like JLM has kind of adapted with the times and kind mm -hmm. of moved as society has moved in that way. Yeah. I mean, I know you mentioned that the majority of women now have outside careers mm -hmm. and full-time jobs. And I feel like maybe once upon a time, it, maybe it's a stereotype, maybe not with like the girls in pearls or something like yeah. that, you know? And even- I'm from Jackson, Mississippi, <laughs> where the help was, you know, based. I, I get that completely. So, yeah. um, you know, the diversity, the age, all these different sectors of women represented yeah. and these, like you said, these volunteers that are mobilized and mm -hmm. have those common, you know, passions and goals linking them together. New Memphis is all about connections and mm -hmm. making those connections so that we can all be stronger together. And I feel like that is similar to what JLM's approach is. And mm -hmm. I'm excited to see and to hear that the, the community of women is so diverse in all ways. It is. I mean, you know, when we think about the history of the JLM, we've had a part in starting, coordinating, or just supporting 
organizations like Hope House, WKNO, Memphis and May, Children's Museum, Orpheum, the Salvation Army, just to name a few. But the Hope House is the perfect example of that, Anna, because like, you know, that was founded in the early 80s. Let's rewind. I don't even know if you were alive by then, but I was in grade school. Um, But Memphis Junior League in 1982, let's say, mm, I think I can very safely say we were at least 99% white. Um, I would bet um, not half of our members even had a job. And but they wanted to serve. They loved yeah. our mission. They wanted to get back. And so there was an opportunity um, in Midtown. It was when the AIDS epidemic was yeah. just rampant. It was the first time that all of that you know came to play. People were terrified of AIDS. And um, but the the strong, incredible women in our league knew that there had to be some support for that. And so it was our members who actually created and founded Hope House. But we couldn't have done it with our current membership because unless people wanted to quit their jobs, like we became the executive director. Wow, we ran yeah. it, you know, the the kiddos. It's it's for the children and families of people with HIV and AIDS. And, um, you know, we were the workers there during the day. Um, now, flash, flash, flash forward 40 years to today, you know, and we, like I was saying, at least 90 something percent of our members work a full time job. When we look at the community programs that we offer as placements um, for our members, for our active members, all but one are on the weekends or evenings. Because wow. that's when our members can volunteer. Have yeah, have so it is a picture. But I mean, like what the needs were in the early mid 80s, yeah. we were able to create something transformative. And I think that that's where it's exciting to see no matter where we are on our timeline and looking back, if you're, you know, curious on looking at jlmemphis.org or like follow our Facebook and Insta pages and be able to see, we did a great timeline of different things that happened throughout the course of the past 100 years, um, decade by decade. And no matter what we look like, I think there's a common thread of our, our members really sought to figure out what the needs are in our city and created really incredible, whether it was an organization or a program that met that need and potentially fixed the need or really served the need. That's really cool. Um, Yeah. The way (laughs) that showing up and having that passion can, you know, can replace any number of things that were, you know, yeah, simple things like we had a past president back in the '60s that, um, when she before she became president, but she saw returning veterans from the war that had become disabled and were in wheelchairs. Were there any wheelchair ramps anywhere in our city? No, no. Of course, now we have them all over, thank heavens. But back then we didn't. So she's literally started an initiative with the city to make that happen. Wow. It was our member that, our past president member that when in the 70s when downtown was not as beautiful as yes. it was, right? <laughs> and they were literally thinking about tearing down the Orpheum Theater. It was our member that stood the gap to, to um, begin that change to renovate the Orpheum and make it, my gosh, one the of the beautiful, beautiful places place in the city. Yeah. Yeah. That it is today. Yeah. Um, if you are just now tuning in and listening, we are speaking with Tracy Blair Strickland. She is the Senior Vice President Marketing and Customer Experience at Paragon Bank. And she is the President of Junior League of Memphis. 
Um, so a num- along with all of your other accolades that you have um, over the years, you have had many roles at Junior League of Memphis, as you mm. were talking about. Um, you have had the opportunity to plug in in a lot of different ways. Yeah. One of those... Um, which you said we would talk about later, so we can talk about it now, is the Develop Her Women's Summit, which mm. is coming up at the end of March. So tell me a little bit about what your experience was like um, being the chair of the Women's Leadership Conference. <laughs> well, you know, I, was, um, I would say I've had a very unique experience in the league that almost every single year after I finished my placement, unless I was a vice chair and I knew what my next year's role was, I didn't know what it was going to be. I always reached up to senior leaders and said, hey, you know, I don't know what I want to do. Please guide me on um, future roles in the league. And I've had so many senior leaders pour into me. And now as president, I'm getting to do that for all my members. And it's my favorite thing in the world to do. And they joke because I just say, hey, just email me at president at (laughs) jlmemphis.org and let's have coffee. And I said it like 20 times at our meeting. But, um, and, you know, it was like the 1920 year. And I had just finished um, being on the board as our long range planning director for a couple of years. And I was like, I'm not sure what I want to do, you know, after that. And so the nominations director at the time said, well, listen, there is an opening. And that was before COVID. Mind yes, you, okay. Yes, it was like, so you're right. you know, January of 2020. We oh, were like, oh, we've we got were, 2020 vision. When the world was our oyster. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. <laughs> and she was like, so how about being women's summit chair? And I was like, well, that's a massive job. However, event planning is kind of my jam. I love it. With marketing and stuff that I do um, and all my jobs in the past, planning events is just uh, one of my favorites. So I'm like, okay, but I need to make sure, let me, let me, let's talk about who the team is going to be because I'm so team focused and making sure that, you know, we've got a good group so we can really run with this thing. Yeah. So, and then, you know, March 11th happened and, and, <laughs> and it, March it wasn't, 12th, it wasn't, it wasn't even my time yet because I didn't even really take over that role till June 1st, <gasps> but automatically I was like, oh, hmm, oh okay, no. this is the way it's going to be, right? <laughs> um, it's our like signature event that we started now like seven or eight years ago and we have up to 400 women I mean, at it's least a fantastic in It's, it's an, an intricate Women's yes. Empowerment Leadership Summit. So, um, I will say, you know, I brought the committee together and I've always taught my leaders is like, I've got three roles. I've got my job description that says I've got to execute a women's summit. Um, and, but I've also got to make sure that my members have the best experience possible that are on my committee. I'm right. in charge. I, I am in charge of making sure that they have a make or break year. And Yes, I'm not completely in charge, but like things that I do as a leader, if I don't step up for them, then, you know, it's Then they not, have a less than stellar year too. Absolutely. So, yeah. And it's a trickle effect, trickle down effect completely. So, um, had v- several meetings with the board. Um, we had everything from, um, a, like a, probably a day and a half virtual summit because I was given a budget, but I think it was just the nervousness of like, you know, we don't really know and, when this and is going to end. Yeah. Like the mindset of like was truly day to day then. Oh, I mean, how do you plan God. something in the future tense yeah. when you don't even know what this afternoon is going to look have like? no yeah. idea. There were, so, there were too many unknowns. So all the, my grandiose plans, I'm like, okay, <laughs> 
we've got to trim them back a little bit, Trace. I can't just, you know, I really, I was really trying to get like Jenna Bush Hager to, to be our virtual speaker. I'm like, she's in our budget. I'm like, it's not going to work, Trace. You've got to calm down. I'm like, okay. Calm down. Um, but I mean, I think one of the things that I loved is like we would meet on Zoom. I mean, I really didn't even see my committee in person until a couple weeks before the summit. So we Zoomed a lot. And a lot of times we, yeah, we talked about business, but we ended up just saying, hey, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, like how are you hanging how, in there? I yeah. mean, really, like how's your mental health? How's your family? Is everybody okay? What can I do from afar, yeah. you know, to support you? Um, but there was just magic on those calls. I mean, to, to just let you know because not only did I have active members that could have been in the in the league a couple of years up to you know 10 15 years but I probably had you know 10 15 of these new members that were placed on my committee that again you know their experience was everything and so um but so many of them because I think the average age of our new member is growing we're we're having women that are well into their careers very well experienced to be able to come into our organization and immediately take charge and bring ideas from things they've done. And so we had several new members that brought some, some phenomenal ideas. And so we ended up, um, we ended up with a two hour, uh, zoom summit on, it was like three to five, but we had, we hand delivered, um, all of the attendee goodie bags because we didn't want anybody coming in yeah. to us or whatever. We did do a quick drive through in their cars and we would like hand them from afar. Like, yeah. I remember it snowed that week. Of course it, it was did. like, right, it really <laughs> did. It was like, we have COVID, we've got snow, what's, what other things? What else? And so we were just dropping them off and waving. And I'm so, I hope we see you on Zoom. And then, um, you know, then we had a few technical difficulties. I mean, like Zoom is never perfect. Yes. You just do what you can do. Um, but in the end, our women had a phenomenal, we had three speakers focused on self-care um, and just um, just all the things that, men, that we needed, you know, the mental health, all that. And then I had, because of, I'd worked in financial services, I had this phenomenal um, women's financial advisor from Florida who was able to zoom in, who's an author and she did it for free as a friend, as a, you know, being a friend of mine. And it was an amazing training. And then we had like a little zoom, like breakout session, happy hour. Cause we'd given everybody like a little cup and little goodies and everything. Yeah. Um, but in the end we raised like 27 grand for the league. Even wow. with that, even with, so, yeah. you know, I think that what it says is women just really love, um, being together and uplifting one another. Um, one of the things I started when I was president, um, is just, we have a news and notes email that goes out to our members that obviously, obviously says, Hey, we've got this event coming up, this meeting, this training and all this, but I really wanted to give I don't know, a little bit more of a personal perspective of some things that happen with our organization that sometimes and I would hear because I'm on the, in the boardroom or whatever, but like our general members just may not know the great things, the little tiny things that are happening. And so I try to do, you know, some write-ups and just to kind of share my thoughts, you know, for the moment and then also just share some um, exciting things um, behind the scenes. And one of the things I talked about is just, how grateful I am for the organization and how grateful I am for the women that if it weren't for the Junior League in Memphis, I would have never met in this city. I would have stayed in my bubble. I would have stayed in my comfort zone. Um, 
and joining, I joined 10 years ago. Um, and I thought I was too old. I ran in, I have a girlfriend who actually was one of the ones that walked into Lester Community Center that day. And so she would come to work on Fridays after being at Lester and tell me stories. And I'm like, dang it. I really should have joined way back when when I did. I missed the boat. I missed the thing. And so I finally went in there and um, I don't know if it's crossing 40 and you feel like, my God, what did did I not do that I wish I had done? And I walked into her office. I said, would it be too crazy to, if I joined and she just squeaked, she's one of those friends that squeals and screams (laughs) and she's one of my best friends for life. And, um, so I just said, are you sure? And she goes, Oh my God, yes. And so I just signed my agreement and never looked back. And, um, I think that when women get together and support one another, transformation happens and things that, I don't know when you're apart and you're fighting and you, you focus on the negative, which honestly living in Memphis sometimes when you're watching the news, it gets easy to do. It's easy. It can get scary. And I I think that one of the things that I'm so grateful for, not only meeting the women that I know in the junior league is, um, the things that I've been able to learn about our city to grow a deeper love and appreciation for the positivity and the real good things you know, that are happening day to day that just aren't on the news, you know? Yeah. Um, and so for that, I think is just when we were looking at ways to obviously raise funds because we don't do this event for free. Right. You know, we do sell tickets and um, table sponsorships and, you know, corporate sponsors and all of that. But, you know, the power of having, you know, 350 to 400 women together to be able to focus on themselves for a day when we're, you know, working another job, some of us are married, some of us have kids, we all have a million other things to do. But to be able to have that one day where we focus on ourselves, whether it's our career development or personal development or financial empowerment, which are a lot of the focuses we're going to have this year, um, you leave and you just feel uplifted and you feel like not only I don't mind spending the money on an event that gives, makes me feel like that, but it's, it's time well spent too. It's an investment that like repays yourself in dividends right? <laughs> like after that. Yeah. Um, so about the Develop Her Women Summit on March 31st, can you give us a little bit, a little bit of a teaser about what participants can expect? Oh my gosh. Well, we're moving it this year. It has been at the University of yes. Memphis. Okay. Um, I'm glad except, you mentioned except for, this. Except for the COVID year, yes. of course. Um, we were on Zoom, but we've moved to the East Memphis Hilton. Okay. At, like, that Poplar 240 area because it's larger. So it's going to allow us to have not only more attendees, but we have great vendors. So if you've got a business you'd like to showcase, you can reach out to our director of development at jlmemphis.org. Her name is Michelle Nixon, but it also allows us to have a phenomenal keynote speaker that's going to (laughs) attract a lot more people. Her name is um, Dr. Shauna Barber. She's a former Miss USA. She's gorgeous. She's also an army vet and she is the CEO of um, the Service Women's Action Network. So she does so much 
for women who have been in the military and give them support. Wow. Um, but she's got an incredibly empowering, inspiring story that will be our keynote message. And um, that morning when you come in, you'll we don't have all of our speakers quite lined up, but you can go um, all the time to developherws.org for all the information. And as our speakers get added, you'll be able to see them right there, but you can check out our agenda. And um, the tickets are on sale now. And um, if you're interested, we've got, if you've got some friends at work or just girlfriends that you want to get together, um, we do have discounts on table um, sales. So if you want to get a table of 10 together, of course, you can do that through the website. Um, and if your business is um, thinking about sponsoring any events that support women, we obviously are still looking for a few more sponsors. But um, and I mentioned the the themes, but we'll have different breakout sessions um, that you'll be able to go to along with hearing uh, Dr. Barber. And it's focused on career development, mm-hmm. personal development, and financial development. Having been personally in the financial services career my whole um, life, it seems like the power of women understanding their own finances and having that financial empowerment is incredibly important and crucial, um, I believe. So we also have a really awesome luncheon panel that will be talking about um, some insights on just the entrepreneurial spirit and just how to shatter that glass ceiling. We, yeah. you know, we really focus so much on equality is just a core value in the Junior League of Memphis, and that women's equality is just always, um, always at the forefront in everything that we do. Um, but developer is no different, of course. It just we always seek to embrace that diversity, equity, inclusion with our speakers, our participants, our sponsors, and our vendors. And it's just such an incredible day. And I hope our listeners will check out the website and come and join us on March 31st. We would love to have you. Um, so having been to the summit myself and knowing that New Memphis is, um, a lot of our colleagues are going to be there. We're, we're going to so be glad. there with Thank y'all you. at the end of the month. Um, I know my answer for this, but I'm curious yeah. the difference, like how excited are you to be in person? <laughs> Oh instead, of, instead of on a Zoom conference. <laughs> well, that means I don't have to be in charge of the Zoom and any kind of technology. I'm a kind of a tech nerd, but not that much. Um, but to just be in, I'm a hugger. You know, I would be, I remember going to a leadership training one time and, and they say, okay, people are either feelers or they're thinkers. And I'm like, dead comment. I like to hug. I'm yeah. a feeler, but I okay. think too. But yeah. what it means is I you can be, be both. you know, those people that like, they're not huggers. Oh yeah. I love them. Some of my dearest friends are not huggers. I could hug. I mean, like the big bear hug that lasts for a few seconds. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> and so like to be in person is kind of my jam. I mean, I okay. love it so much. And to just look somebody else in the eye and say, what's going on? I mean, body language. I mean, I think that's what is so hard when we've been living via Zoom. Heck yeah. It's, is it convenient? Yes, is it when course. you get home and put some, you know, sweatpants and a t-shirt on, maybe pour a glass of wine if it's been that kind of day. <laughs> um, and to be able to just get on a Zoom meeting, is that easier? Hmm, yeah. Can I cook dinner maybe while and hear my screaming kids and I can mute it so nobody hears me or sees me? Yeah. Is that going to help me build relationships and transformative? Of opportunities to meet somebody that could introduce me to somebody or just somebody that's going to take the time to get to know me as a person. 
Um, and that's where, like, even in leadership training, we're like, don't even think about when you're meeting with your committee for the first time to start jumping into business. I'm like, we're women. And we've got to know each other. We've got to understand who we are and what makes us know, tick. What yeah. makes us tick? Yes, you know. And I'm like, if we know that she's got a busy job and she's traveling, and yes, she's got three kids, including one that's you know a month old baby, and you know all the things, and maybe she has an older mom she's having to care for, or you know, we all have our story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when we had our virtual summit, we called it write your own story because everybody has their own story and the the stuff that a lot of times, you know, some people are much more outgoing and, hey, I've got this going on and this is a mess. But for most of us, we just keep it buried. We keep mm-hmm. it quiet and we keep it buried inside and um, just keep on trucking. Yeah. You just keep on trucking because that's what we do as women, right? We just are not supposed to let anything um, bother us or hinder us or slow us down. And I think what COVID maybe has taught us is the fact that, you know, we're real people. We're real human beings that have a lot of junk going on. Um, and we have to support one another. We have to listen to one another. And I think, you know, that among other things is what I love the summit about and what, you know, obviously we, we do, we, at least we try to do every day in the Junior League of Memphis. So um, I love that leadership lesson that you even just said right there about knowing that as women, like budget in the time to have those chit chats because it's going to happen. So let's not like pretend that it's not. So let's just go ahead and be honest with ourselves about the time that it's going to take to do X, Y, and Z. Um, Can you tell me about some of the other just personal leadership lessons that you've learned throughout your time at Junior League Mm. in Memphis? Well, my other favorite leadership um, opportunity was being the new member chair. And so um, one thing that, and I would say, I think, Things happen at the time that they're supposed to. Um, If I had joined when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I have, I'm not clinically like diagnosed as OCD, but I have some like organizational issues that I really like to plan an agenda. I like, or, you know, the party planning thing, but I like the things the way they are and they just, nobody can get, you know, out of, out of sorts. I was, um pretty high strung. I mean, as far as like, (laughs) I am so much more relaxed now than I was 15, 20 years ago. Maybe having two kids has something to do with that. Maybe having life happen, you know, having that lived experience. I mean, like it, it humbles you and it allows you to, um, reset. And I think that anytime we have life experiences, whether it's stuff that happened with COVID or, you know, losing friends. I'm at the age where I've lost one of my dearest friends a couple of weeks ago. I've lost parents, you know, and I think it, it just resets you to what's truly important. Um, it's experiences, it's relationships. And so when I look back at things that I've learned is not take myself too seriously. Um, and number one, you know, this is a hundred year old organization that I'm not going to break it. You know, (laughs) I hope I won't break it, you know, but like, I do think that, um, you know, what can I always go into it thinking like, what, what's my lesson that I'm going to learn? Um, and, the members thinking about where I was before I joined the JLM and I was in that kind of comfort zone. I had the same job, you know, boyfriend who became husband. I mean, I had my set of friends and to 
to realize how the members and just my experiences in the JLM has transformed me as a person and a leader. And I know that they've made me kick out of my comfort zone and try things that, um, we're not comfortable. We're not easy. Um, before JLM, I would have hidden and run from, um, a confrontational conversation. Now I have them on almost a daily basis <laughs> right now. Um, and so I think that, um, it's taught me a lot about myself that, um, I have so much to learn and, um, by just listening and just caring a little bit more, um, and understanding that, our women are in different places in their lives and they also come into the league wanting different things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really love, I always say that like sometimes the reason you joined for me, the reason I joined is because I wanted to serve in the community. I didn't know if I wanted to hold babies or I would say, or go plant in a garden. I knew that was not it because I'm not, (laughs) that's not my thing. (laughs) But you You know, know. that was an option. (laughs) Maybe reading to kids, whatever that would be. And I didn't want to commit to one organization that that's all they did too. So I think when, you know, I came in like, okay, let me see what it is. Again, that buffet of choices that, you know, since our, our members can do something different every year, I mean, you can go from working in a community placement to being on a committee that is running our summit or our repeat boutique, which is our biggest fundraiser, um, or it's the operational parts of the league, um, or the member focused, which is really where I've, I I found my love being on the, the new member team. Um, because we had 155 new members that year and I had a 20 person leadership team. And so I've got to make our leaders feel empowered um, you know, to have their voice and to be able to um, run with their group of new members because you can't, you know, they have, you know, 12 or 15 new members they were taking care of when I couldn't take care of that on a granular level with 155 right. women. Now, of course, um, my placement is president, you know, for the next year <laughs> Which and is a half, for which everybody. Is amazing. <laughs> um, but I think it's just always remembering that um, our mission comes first. Um, and centering everything about that is that's advancing women's leadership with collaboration and, and training to be able to mobilize our, our members to make substantial, substantial change and impact in the city. That makes me really excited. Um, and I feel like that aligns so much with the new Memphis mission too, Mm. of developing, activating and retaining talent to Memphis. I mean, Mm. that's what we're all about here at new Memphis. So that, I mean, that's just like a perfect marriage with JLM is what it feels like. Um, so we're really excited for the develop her women summit, which is at the end of March. It's March. It's coming up. It's so exciting. March 31st. Yeah. On a Friday. So exciting. We will be there. You will be there. Wait. Oh yeah. So many other wonderful people will be there. Um, and so if you have a second, I would love to have a quick lightning round with you. Uh-oh. I know, right? Some little I hot listen takes. to a lot of Brene Brown podcasts. <laughs> I'm wondering what the questions are. Okay, yeah. are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite event that Junior League of Memphis does? The Developer Women's Summit. Okay. It really is. What is some advice that you would give your 25-year-old self? Oh, my God. Just calm down. Um, Don't be so wound up. Relax. Remember to breathe. um, And hug your family every day. 
Oh, um, and then last one, what makes you the most hopeful for the city of Memphis? Mm. When I look into the eyes and the faces of our members that look like the city and I see how excited they are and how positive they are, no matter what's going on, um, we all want to see the city succeed and continue to flourish. And I see, I see my kids. Um, I have boys, so I'll never have one of my kids be a JLMer. But um, I call them the first sons, or they're called, they're known as the first sons because they're incredibly <laughs> supportive. But when I see um, hope in their eyes and and love for their city and wanting to make a difference, I hope maybe. Some of the things that I do are getting passed down to them, whether whether they like it or not. <laughs> I'm sure they are. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy. And we are so excited about the Junior League Develop Aww. Her Women's Summit coming up on March 31st. And we'll see you there. I can't wait, Anna. Thanks so much for having me today. This has been fun. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Tracy and learned a little bit more about the Junior League of Memphis and how philanthropy and volunteerism in general impacts our community and makes you feel good inside. So um, if you're looking for an opportunity to volunteer, you can always shoot us an email over at info at newmemphis.org and we would be happy to um, hold your hand throughout this process. We have a lot of friends and partners who are always looking for volunteers and we can make that happen for you. Before I close out, uh, we would love to remind you about a few events that New Memphis has coming up. We have Memphis 101 on March 14th. That will be over at the Penny Hardaway Hall of Fame. And you can head over to newmemphis.org to learn more about that and to RSVP for this free event to learn all about our wonderful city and what makes us tick. Um, and then after that, in early April, we will have Celebrate What's Right series kicking off with Risky Business, talking about entrepreneurship. So we will, next week, we will give you a little bit more insight into that, but we are super excited about it and we hope to see you there. So you can learn more about New Memphis and about the events that we have coming up again over at newmemphis.org. And if you have any feedback for us, we'd love it over at info at newmemphis.org. Until next week, bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.